0: Oh my goodness! Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Shomler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 477. I'm a little bit. Um, if my voice is a bit scratchy today, I am recovering from getting sick. Uh, I had like a horrible headache for a couple of days. It, it, I, I was deathly sick. It was awful. Don't recommend it to anyone. Doing everything I could, like pounding water, pounding Gatorade, drinking a bunch of soup, eating soup. I You eat it, drink it. It's kind of that ambiguous middle ground. Pounding Sudafed. Just doing the best I could to like try to get through it. Here we are. Um, on today's episode, we're going to talk about a lot. Of, there's a lot of news we got to catch up on. We're going to talk about Baker Mayfield. He was on a podcast. Um, I tried to listen to the Urban Meyer podcast with Tim May. There was like a soundbite people jumped on. I'm not going to lie, the audio was so bad. I'm like, I can't even do this. I'm not even going to listen to this entire podcast with Urban Meyer for 44 minutes about a a topic I don't care about and a person I don't really respect. I'm like, I just don't have the energy to do the whole effort on the Urban Meyer thing. Uh, But we're going to talk about Tua dodging a bullet. Sammy Watkins went to Green Bay. Stephon Gilmore, Derek Carr. Central Florida had a weird thing go on during their spring game. Some XFL news. Odell Beckham Jr., uh... Some news on a touchdown ball we'll get to later. Let's jump into the first topic of the day. Uh, Baker Mayfield went onto a podcast called the You Never Know Podcast. You Never Know by Mike. A guy I know very little about. I think he makes music. Uh, I was actually impressed, by the way, with how he hosted the show. Like, he's a very good conversationalist. I really liked the podcast they did, actually. Um, Now, a lot of people... I have no doubt because I, I I follow I'm on social media like I see what people say about stuff I, I see their their clickbaity headlines and all this stuff and I a lot of people jumped on and attacked Baker Mayfield for the, these two specific quotes that we'll get into I got to tell you this I listened to the entire one hour thirty two minutes and fifty four seconds of that podcast um and I found myself rooting for Baker Mayfield actually like I if you listen to the whole thing. I don't know how you don't walk away liking Baker Mayfield a little bit more. Actually, I I thought he came across as a grown up. I thought he was very honest. Um, but I I liked what he put out. Actually, believe it or not, people are I, I've seen people attacking him saying all this stuff. Even friends of mine, and I'm like, I, either we watched something different, or you didn't watch the entire thing. You just watched a couple sound bites because. Uh, First of all, I think people forget, and we got to hear a little bit of Baker's story. He's got one of the most compelling college football stories of all time, a two-time walk-on who went on to win a Heisman Trophy and become a first-round pick. Like Baker Mayfield's story is incredible. He's a guy who walked on to Texas Tech, was incredible as a true freshman walk-on, and their starting quarterback, didn't get a scholarship, had to go to Oklahoma, couldn't start football there immediately, couldn't even tell them he was going there. Like, couldn't talk to the football staff until he was already on campus. It's an incredible journey he went on to become the notable quarterback he is today. Like Baker Mayfield very easily could have been so many other walk-on quarterbacks who go to school, kind of don't really do anything, and are like a sixth round, you know, sixth pick on the depth chart, sixth quarterback on the depth chart, excuse me, and do nothing. Baker didn't do that. He's kind of the walk-on dream that you, when you walk on, you hope you become, which is a guy who. <laughs> makes a college football playoff, wins the Heisman Trophy, number and overall pick, and that's all because his dad was encouraging him to walk on. He actually had a scholarship offer when he left Texas Tech to go play at East Carolina with Lincoln Riley, and he said, I'm going to go to Oklahoma instead. Like, I'm going to really chase my dream here. Um, and I don't know, man. I, I really don't know how you hate Baker. I, I'm not going to lie. Like, I just think you're not listening or don't pay attention. I, I don't know. I don't know. I think Baker is an easy guy to, to target, uh, especially when – he hasn't played good recently. He's very easy to take cheap shots at. Um, but don't forget the story of the guy, where he came from. He gave a quote. He said that the, the business of the NFL is kind of a snaky business where you can't really trust anyone. He said an F-bomb in there. I'm not going to say it. Um, and he's not wrong. The NFL is a very hard business. I think he learned that very much during this past year. He gave another quote I like. He said, positive mindsets don't necessarily always work. But negative ones certainly never work. And I'm like, ah, that's, that's kind of interesting insight there. Now, here are the two quotes that everyone took and ran with. And I saw posts on Instagram. Mostly that's the social media I'm really on. Uh, the number one quote was – well, the, I guess there's two. The first one is this. I would love to show up at someone's cubicle and boo them and see watch them crumble is kind of what he said he wasn't serious, by the way. That's the thing. People thought it was like a hateful, mean thing. No, no. He was kind of jokingly throwing it out there that and saying people don't realize what it's like to be booed at their job. He wasn't actually saying in a hateful way, I'd love to go to someone's job and screw with them. He's not really mean to that. He's just saying like, you don't realize what it's like to get booed at your job and how hard it is to handle that. The other quote he gave was that he said, I felt disrespected. I was told one thing, then they, the Cleveland Browns. Completely did another thing. And that's honest. And again, the lesson from what happened to Baker Mayfield this past year is do not play hurt. Try not to play through an injury if you can't play at a high level. Baker Mayfield did that. He tore his labrum completely in the front, 90% in the back. His words, not mine. Then he fractured his shoulder on that same side, apparently uh had basically no motion in his left shoulder at all and the lesson here is like he he tried to be a hero and play through it and be there for his team and be loyal to his team which is kind of a college football mindset right like high school college you're there for your team it's not there's not as much business at least when he went to college it's different now in, in college football especially um but I think what he learned is that if you play bad for any reason you will be replaced and other people watching baker mayfield from the outside whether you're a receiver a quarterback a linebacker whatever take notes that's how they treat you in the nfl if you don't perform no one cares why they will happily replace you i would love to see a world what would have happened if baker had sat out for like the entire second half of the year and and no one saw him play badly would cleveland have made a move to go get deshaun watson Would they have maybe held on to hope that, well, he was great two years ago. He'll, you know, he got hurt last year, but he'll be back next year. He'll be cheap, whatever. It's a very likely possibility he would not have lost his job if he hadn't played injured. Another thing Baker talked about that I really, I really like this. He talked about his approach as a leader on whatever team he lands on next. And he said, you can't force it. You can't fake it. Uh, He said, all I can do is show up and be myself and earn the respect of the people around me and, you know, by playing well and with my actions. And not everybody has to be my best friend and like me, but I want them to respect me. And that's that's something I have to earn. That's what he said. That's very mature. Like that's, you're totally right, dude. You can't force it. You can't. And he talked about how in Cleveland he felt like because things got, when things were bad over the years in Cleveland, he tried to force it as a leader and it didn't work. You have to earn it and, and be yourself and be natural. I really am telling you, I think Baker has learned a lot through what he went through in Cleveland. Uh, It was a roller coaster. He wants stability. He also said he has got no regrets. He gave Cleveland everything he had. Um, Honestly, hearing Baker talk, hearing, uh, frankly, some of the maturity that came through, one thing I didn't know about Baker is that he spent his money financially very well. He's been very – he's apparently very frugal and, and very smart, where he's not extravagantly spending money on crazy stuff. Apparently, his word is not mine. He could retire tomorrow and be totally fine, which I'm like, hey, that's a guy who was wise with his money on a rookie contract. Now, rookie, number one overall pick, but still, um, he plays now because he loves football, not because he needs a paycheck, which is actually kind of an advantage. Like, you're you're doing – his next opportunity is for him to get a shot and prove himself not for the money, which is very exciting to me. And look – I might get hate for this, although I don't really give a flip. Like At this point in my career, I don't care. Um, I believe in Baker now more than I ever did before because look at Baker's career so far. Every time he's back into a corner and has to really prove himself. Like when he's an underdog, Baker's at his best. And Baker has never been – I don't want to say never because he walked on twice at two different colleges. But I'll say this. I think having to prove himself again – really will benefit Baker. And I think this weird journey and roller coaster he's been on the last couple of years in Cleveland, it's very clear from the way he talks about it. He learned from all of those hard moments. You don't really ever have a loss. You have a bunch of lessons you go through. And Baker had a lot of lessons he went through his entire career. And I just don't understand anyone who watched that interview and attacked Baker. I just don't identify with you. And I don't agree with their philosophy on life, maybe. I thought Baker was very honest and very open and very much explaining and talking about the lessons he learned in Cleveland and what he's going to do next. And I I appreciate that. I, I thought it was candid. I thought it was real. Um, I don't think he said anything disrespectful to anybody, actually. Uh, and I, I walked away liking Baker more than ever. <laughs> And I wasn't expecting to. I've seen – I haven't listened to anyone else's takes, but I've seen the headlines, the stuff that people are saying on social media, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, sounds like he said horrible stuff, and then I'm like, oh, he really didn't. He actually said kind of some compelling stuff. And I'm excited for Baker. Whatever's next for him, I don't know where he's going to go. Maybe he'll be the backup behind Tom Brady and Tampa. Maybe uh, he'll go to I, – I have no idea. Seattle seems like the obvious one. I, I'm not sure why. I'm surprised Seattle doesn't seem – more interested in Baker, although kind of the theory me and Marcus Whitman were talking about this the other day behind the scenes, you know, Seattle has leverage because they know no one else is making a move for Baker and Cleveland has to get rid of him. They're they're not going to keep him on the roster. That'd be weird for their locker room dynamic. Uh, And so Seattle's probably waiting for Cleveland to cut Baker Mayfield. But I'll I'll tell you what, I I think Seattle's crazy if they don't want to go get Baker Mayfield. Honestly, I, I think what we saw last year was not Baker Mayfield at his best. And I think Baker at his best when he's got a fire lit under his belly and he's got something to prove. And then I think frankly, the the lessons he's been through as a leader, the things, the ways he's been challenged to grow, uh, I think he's going to be better than ever, wherever he goes next. And so believe it or not, I'm all aboard the Baker Mayfield train. And, uh, I very much believe in the guy. Didn't expect to walk away from this interview feeling that way, but that's how I felt. And, uh, I don't I think I'm alone in that. <laughs> like I I really I, I look at some of the takes other people had, like uh, on Twitter and some of the headlines and the articles they shared. I'm like, wow, you guys really hated this interview. And I, I just didn't feel that way at all. Like at all. I walked away going like, Wow, huh. I, I respect what you said. I think you learned a lot. And uh let's see what you do next. Here's a fun one. Uh quarterback JT Daniels is transferring to West Virginia, a state that I've never been but really desperately want to go. I want to say this by the way, I have no idea what's in West Virginia. I've never been there. Uh, If you watch a lot of stuff on YouTube, like what like travel videos to West Virginia, they're all terrible. They're like they're not. They don't actually show what West Virginia is really like. And I'd love to go there someday and see what it's really like. Uh, Now, JT Daniels is leaving Georgia to go to West Virginia. It's his third college, uh, and this is a guy who was once projected as a top ten pick going into. Uh, last year like he's a really good quarterback and he started at USC and then lost his job and he got hurt to Keaton Slovis so he had to transfer ironically both Keaton and JT Daniels are neither now at USC he was once a starter at Georgia then he got hurt lost his job to Stetson Bennett kind of a weird situation at Georgia where they got a coach Kirby Smart is very conservative and I think didn't want to screw with the winning formula so though they kept winning and just stuck with Stetson Bennett even though I don't think he was actually the best quarterback on their roster um look JT Daniels is going to be amazing at West Virginia I don't think people realize like he's one of these marquee names that gets forgotten about because he hasn't been a starting quarterback he's he's gotten injured everywhere he's been and He keeps losing his job in these weird, unfortunate ways. But this dude is a stud. Go watch. I watched it last night. Go watch the 2020 Peach Bowl between Georgia and Cincinnati. And you're like, this dude can ball. Like, he's a really good quarterback. And in West Virginia, by the way, he's getting to work with Graham Harrell once again. Graham Harrell was the offensive coordinator at USC in 2019, overlapping in his time with JT Daniels uh he is now the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach at West Virginia you know West Virginia the Mountaineers are returning five experienced offensive linemen this is going to be awesome like I'm really excited to watch what happens here with the Mountaineers and uh, JT Daniels and I think it's gonna be a home run so keep your eye on that I think it's a fantastic fit and a guy who's going to do very very well wearing the Mountaineers uniform okay here's a big story um of its story. Here's a rumor that's been passed around the NFL and shared. And here it is. Apparently, now it's a rumor and I'm going to use the word apparently. So this is not fact, but it's a rumor that's been thrown around. Apparently there was a plan that the Miami Dolphins were going to hire Tom Brady as an executive after he retired. He was going to leave Tampa, go to Miami as a executive in the front office hire Sean Payton as our head coach, the former Saints coach who worked with Drew Brees. Then Tom Brady would unretire and then trade for himself from Tampa and then be Miami's starting quarterback. That sounds like a crazy storyline. I don't know if that's real or not, but that's what's been going around and talked about as a real plan Miami had. And here's what I want to say, first of all, if that is all true, if Miami really had that plan, and it didn't work out, then Tua Tungvaloa, their starting quarterback right now, dodged a massive, massive bullet. Because the way it worked out for him is instead he got Mike McDaniels as his head coach, a very eclectic, interesting personality. Who I'm, I'm so glad Mike McDaniels is a head coach in the NFL. He makes the NFL better with his weird, quirky quotes and his personality. I saw recently Tua had a charity event, and Mike McDaniels on stage at his charity event like doing – some kind of Hawaiian dance. I'm like, I love it. I love it the way that Mike McDaniels has embraced Tua. And I think there's a budding bromance slash working relationship there. that's going to be really fun to watch. Uh, and I don't know if Tua is going to do well, but certainly he's they're at least committing to him and giving him a real shot with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell and all those pieces are building around him. So I'm excited to watch what happens in Miami with Tua. He dodged a massive bullet. Now, the reason why, according to the rumor, the reason why this Tom Brady Miami Dolphins plan fell apart is because of the Brian Flores lawsuit filed against Miami. And uh, I haven't talked about this lawsuit, like, really at all. I'm I'm honestly just waiting until we get a resolution one way or the other. I, it's one of those things, where, like, I, I don't really have a – I don't know what to say about it until it comes to a conclusion and we really know the way it works out. So until then, I'm, I'm not going to comment much on it. But remember how the Brian Flores lawsuit began. It was when Bill Belichick, the Patriots head coach, sent Brian Flores a text congratulating him on getting the Giants head coaching job when he supposedly meant to text Brian Dable, who actually got the job. And Brian Flores was like, wait, wait, I haven't even interviewed for that job yet. Are you telling me they already made a decision? So my interview is phony just for show? So he sent a text, Bill Belichick, sent a text to the wrong Brian, which triggered a series of events that led to Tom Brady not going to a division rival in Miami. That's a bit funny. Did, did, here's my question. Did Bill Belichick sneakily keep Tom Brady from his division rival the Miami Dolphins? Is that, that's very possible to me, and kind of a hilarious thought. Here's a tweet I found... Uh, a guy named Barry said, I'm crying at how Bill Belichick got wind of Tom Brady's shady plan to go to Miami and, quote, accidentally texted Brian Flores to blow up the whole thing. That's some real Game of Thrones stuff. He says the S-word. Yes I'm not going to say it on the show. <laughs> yeah. If that's true, that's crazy. Like, I, I this whole story is unbelievable. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of glad it didn't happen because I, I really want to see Mike McDaniels as a coach in the NFL working with Tua. Like, that's a weird combination that I can't wait to see how it goes down. It's like a science experiment. I've already seen Tom Brady and Sean Payton. I want to see something new and fun and different. Um, but can you imagine if Tom Brady had done that? Become basically like a pseudo general manager in the NFL with an executive job while also simultaneously being a team starting quarterback? Like... How bizarre would that be? Because you can't stop Miami from hiring Tom. Even though he's retired as a player, you can hire him as an executive. Then once he's as an executive in Miami, you kind of got to trade for his rights if he wants to go back. It, it's very – that would have been crazy to see that leveraged. Um, so that could have happened maybe. It's a rumor, and I wanted to talk about it because it's, it's pretty wild. And, and the key takeaway there is that Tua Tungvaluwa really, really dodged a bullet. You know, He got very lucky. He almost lost his job to Tom Brady apparently, which would have been wild. Here's another big news story. The Green Bay Packers signed receiver Sammy Watkins to a one-year, $4 million deal. It's a solid move. I'm not going to lie. I honestly forgot Sammy Watkins was available. Like, I don't know if it's because I (laughs) I have no idea how I forgot about that, but he's a quality veteran receiver who, if he'd got a lot of other places, I probably wouldn't be that. I'd be like, ah, Sammy Watkins, kind of washed up, kind of old, like not that productive recently. Uh, although he's only 28 years old, like he's not, he's still in his prime physically. Uh, but remember, he's going to be elevated by playing with Aaron Rodgers. He's a veteran receiver, knows what he's doing, that I think could pair very nicely with Aaron Rodgers. And remember, last year, veteran receiver Randall Cobb worked out very well in Green Bay. He contributed in a couple key moments at a very, at very important times and in and, and a, and a good way. So even though Sammy Watkins had lower numbers last year, Remember, he wasn't the main target in Baltimore, and Lamar Jackson, his quarterback, only played 12 games last year. Uh, I actually think this is a solid move. It gives It's probably the best receiver now on the Packers roster who is going to be elevated by Aaron Rodgers, and also on a pretty reasonable contract, one year, $4 million. Um, this will be Sammy Watkins' ninth, ninth year in the NFL, but if you look at what the Packers have coming up in the draft, they've got the 22nd overall pick and the 28th overall pick. If you pair Sammy Watkins with a rookie first-round receiver, that's pretty solid. Like, I think that could work with Aaron Rodgers. And I'm very excited to watch how does an experienced Sammy Watkins work with a veteran Aaron Rodgers. I think it could be a very solid pairing that is slightly underrated. And look, if Sammy Watkins went to a lot of other places, I wouldn't be that excited. But I know that Aaron Rodgers can get the most out of him. So uh, I actually really, really like this weird, quiet, savvy move. Now the Colts. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts signed cornerback Stefan Gilmore to a two-year, $23 million deal. This is a really, really big get for them. He is one of the best corners in the NFL. He's the 2019 NFL Defensive Player of the Year. And when you look at what the Colts have done... This offseason. They honestly got a lot better. They signed, you know, quarterback, Matt Ryan, cornerback, Stefan Gilmore, uh, defensive end, Yannick Ngakwe. This is the Colts' defense now after this move. They've got DeForest Buckner on the edges. They have Quiddy Pay and Yannick Ngakwe. At linebacker, Darius Leonard and Bobby O'Karake. Uh Stefan Gilmore and Kenny Moore out wide at the corner position. This is one of the best defenses in football. <laughs> and I uh, and I, it's still possible they signed Honey Badger, uh, Tyron Matthew. Like, I don't know. Let me check the news, make sure that didn't already happen today. Like, That would be crazy if I talked about that and that already had happened. Tyron Matthew. Has he done anything? Let's double check. Tyran Matthew. Did he go anywhere? No. Okay. There we go. So they could still add Tyran Matthew. Uh, now, the AFC as a conference is absolutely loaded. But the goals got better this offseason, and they look like a playoff team. I I think they're going to be pretty good next year. Uh, They've got two big needs left. They need a left tackle and a wide receiver. They signed a left tackle, uh, Matt Pryor, to a solid one-year, $5.5 million deal. That's enough money to suggest that they they think he's going to be their starting left tackle. We'll see how well he really does. It feels a bit like wishful thinking in my mind. Uh, I hope he's the answer, though. I'd love to see that work out. But the Colts have a second-round pick, a third-round pick, and a fourth-round pick. That's enough decent picks that you know, and solid opportunities to get two new starting players. They could get a wide receiver and a left tackle in one of those picks, I guess in two of those three picks. And It's not off the realm of possibility for the Colts to solve all of their problems as a roster, which would be another masterful job by... Uh, Chris Ballard, their general manager, and uh, I'm very excited to see what the Colts do. I I love hearing they sign Stephon Gilmore. I am so happy for Colts fans, man. Like, It's a team that every time they have a problem, their general manager finds a way to make something happen, and it looked like free agency came and went, and the Colts got nothing. Then they traded for Yannick Ngakwe, Matt Ryan. Then they signed Stephon Gilmore. You're like, okay, wow. The Colts, once again, have probably a top— Three, four, five defense in the NFL. A really good quarterback that I trust. Uh, they've got a Michael Pittman Jr. A good running game, good offensive line. Like, there's a lot of good stuff going on in Indianapolis, and uh, I'm excited for them. Hey, by the way, I said should, I should have said this at the top of the show. Happy Easter. Um, I, I guess I'm oblivious to holidays. So I just don't even pay attention. But I, I was checking the Tameran Matthew thing. I'm like, oh yeah, it's Easter. Happy Easter, everybody. I hope you had a good weekend and. Um, yeah happy Easter now let's talk about Derek Carr Raiders quarterback Derek Carr signed a big new contract an extension a three-year 121.5 million dollar contract extension and a big topic of conversation when the Raiders hired Josh McDaniel as their new head coach was is Josh McDaniel really committed to the Raiders quarterback, Derek Carr. There was a lot of conversations that maybe the Raiders were going to kind of wait and see if Derek Carr was going to be their long-term guy and whether they liked him or not. I always thought that was crazy. I think Derek Carr is massively underrated. And apparently the Raiders agree with me because they have fully committed to Derek Carr and said, no, 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 we, we believe in this guy. He's our guy long-term, we like him. He's now under contract through 2025 and only four quarterbacks in the entire NFL make more money Per year, on average, than Derek Carr. Now, that is Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen. Derek Carr makes now around forty million dollars a year, and uh, you know some people are upset because Russell Wilson makes thirty-five million dollars a year, and people believe that Derek Carr does not deserve to make more money than Russ. I would say, in my mind, that just highlights how favorable that. Russell Wilson's current contract is for Denver. Like they are getting a steal for a quarterback of his quality at 35 million a year, less than Derek Carr. That's awesome. Another guy highly underpaid uh, Well, Joe Burrow on a rookie contract, Justin Herbert on a rookie contract. These are guys who are going to get paid very soon. Um, I I, like, I don't know. I I think I like the Raiders committing Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr is awesome. I hope he retires as a Raider. And uh, I think him with a good team around him is going to really surprise a lot of people. I think he's way better than people realize And uh, he once had an MVP-level season, then he got hurt. So, like, I I just think Derek Carr is way better than anyone else gives him credit for. Throws an amazing ball, very accurate. He's going to be incredible, Devontae Adams. And uh, I just wish more people understood and appreciated how good he is. Because Derek Carr, great leader, super responsible on and off the field, a great quarterback. That just does not, for some reason, get appreciated. I don't know why, um, but I'm very excited to watch what Derek Carr does this year. And hopefully... He can earn some new fans and gain some respect around the football world. All right, we got to talk about this weird story. University of Central Florida football players wore a QR code on their jersey during a spring game instead of having numbers. Like where their numbers would be on the back of their jersey, they had a QR code and it's kind of a marketing stunt to get attention. Like a lot of articles are written about this. I paid attention to their spring game simply because of this. So if that's the plan, very well done. Um, if you did scan the QR code, it would have taken you to a bio for each player, where each player has an individual bio with links to their social media and uh, you know their individual player merchandise stores. Um, did it get attention? Yes. Is it practical? Absolutely not. Like, I don't know how this is supposed to work, whether you are – you scan it from the crowd, which you're way too far away to do? If you try to scan it through the TV, it's really blurry. You never really get a clear shot or it's way too small and grainy. I don't know. It's a, it's a marketing stunt. Did anyone really sell any T-shirts because of this? Did anyone really get a new follow because of the QR code on their jersey? Like, I don't think so, but kind of a weird thing. I will say I watched the spring game. It got my attention at minimum. And it made me excited to watch John Rice Plumley play quarterback. John Rice Plumley was a receiver at Ole Miss, and he was a receiver because he couldn't play quarterback because Matt Corral was their starting quarterback. Matt Corral, a future NFL quarterback, maybe even a first round pick, probably more like a second round pick. We'll see. Um, and I-, I think John Rice Plumley is going to be the new starting quarterback at Central Florida. That makes me very excited. I thought he did really well at the spring game. And uh, he's a guy, I don't know that he's an NFL quarterback at all, but like, that's a cool story. A guy who played receiver, who wanted to play quarterback, who finally gets to play quarterback. Like that makes me pumped up. And uh, I'm excited to watch John Rice Plumlee play quarterback at Central Florida. Can we got some XFL news we got to talk about? So the XFL is returning in 2023. Here are the... Eight new new slash returning coaches who are going to be coaching as head coaches in the league next spring. You have Reggie Barlow, Anthony Becht, Terrell Buckley, and Jim Hazlitt. Those are the first four. A lot of those guys you might not have ever heard of. If you're a deep-cut football fan, you know, like Jim Hazlitt, guys like that. But the other four are Wade Phillips, Bob Stoops, Heinz Ward, and Rod Woodson. The last four are way more notable. Uh, Bob Stoops Bob Stoops is a longtime head coach at Oklahoma. Wade Phillips is a former Dallas Cowboys head coach. He also was the first defensive coordinator Sean McVay ever had in L.A. Hines Ward, a longtime Steelers receiver and legend. Rod Woodson, also a former Steeler and a legend and an actual NFL Hall of Famer. Hines Ward is very, very close. Um, I'm excited about this. I really like the coaching hires they got. Uh, Another thing the XFL announced is a partnership with uh, sorry, a quote, exclusive partnership, which is like, okay, sure. Like I, The word exclusive has to be thrown in there. Um, they have a partnership with the NFL Alumni Academy, which is a thing that really what it does is give the XFL a pool of talent to draw from where it just makes it easier for them to get talent to fill out their rosters with people who are working in the NFL and in the NFL talent pool and right around somewhere – Not quite good enough to make a roster, but very, very good football players and kind of fringe NFL players. And it gets the XFL in position to basically become a true NFL minor league, similar to AAA baseball. Like they are the minor league NFL system, which is kind of interesting. And I'm really, after hearing this news and hearing the way the NFL is embracing the XFL, I'm very curious to see who will make it. The USFL just started. The USFL had their opening kickoff yesterday and Saturday. We'll talk about that more in the next episode. Uh, I want to do like a full breakdown of the opening weekend for the USFL. But who will make it? The USFL, the XFL, both? Neither of them? I have no idea. Um, Clearly, there's a lot of hunger for football because there was a lot of interest in the USFL opening game on Saturday. So I don't know, man. Uh, I'm very interested. And it's interesting that the XFL has been very much embraced by the NFL. That's partially due to the Rock. And I, I, I don't know... I don't know what the USFL is going to offer that the XFL doesn't or vice versa. So I'm really interested to see which does better or which might succeed and which one might not. Now, Here's kind of an odd story, one that I don't really, you don't hear this very often. Odell Beckham Jr., uh, a receiver in the NFL, tore his ACL in 2020. Then playing for the Rams, he tore it again in the Super Bowl. Now, there's a report that apparently people in his corner and on the Rams, on their football team, were actually slightly relieved when he tore his ACL a second time. That's a thing I never thought I would say. That's very weird to like hear a guy tore his ACL and people are like, oh, thank God, we, we, we can figure this out now. Here's what happened. Apparently, the first time he got his ACL repaired uh, in surgery after and during his time with the Cleveland Browns. It didn't go very well. And so round two is newer surgery. The second time he tore his ACL apparently went way better and it uh, kind of repaired some of the damage done the first time I got surgery. And it's supposedly going to help him last longer in the NFL. It really fixed his knee long-term. You still don't hear that very often about, but it it is important to get a, you know, the quality of doctor you have and that, the way your surgery goes really does matter when you're getting a surgery done. I mean, that's why Joe Burrow went all the way to L.A. to get his, his ACL and his knee replaced when he he messed it up. So um, keep your eye on that. I'm curious what happens with Oda Beckham Jr. next. Uh, I'm curious where he's going to play next fall. I'm hearing people say the Rams is going to go back and play for them. I've also heard the Patriots run out there. So I have no idea what Odo Beckham Jr. is going to do. He had a kid recently. He's recovering from an ACL injury. I think he's hanging out, laying low, waiting for a better offer and seeing what is going to happen. Um, but never forget, Odell in the Super Bowl last year was on fire. Like, he he could have won the, the Super Bowl MVP had he not gotten hurt. And so, um, I don't know, man. I, I'm really interested to see the future of Odell and where things go and how he plays for the rest of his career. Final story of the day. Short episode, I know, but I'm gonna crank out a couple of these, you know, rapid fire in the next couple of days. Uh, the guy who bought Tom Brady's final quote, you know, last touchdown ball, for over five hundred thousand dollars got his money back. The sale got voided. Um, I, I don't have much to say other than I I think that buying a football for over five hundred thousand dollars, regardless of what it is, uh it's always going to be stupid to me. I don't care what the context is, I don't care whose football it is. I don't care if you view it as an asset that's going to appreciate in value over the next couple of years. If someone buys it for 500,000, I think that's stupid. And then if 20 years from that, someone else buys it for like 4 million, that's also dumb. It's a piece of leather, it's a football. I'm sorry that I don't care about memorabilia, but I think if you want to spend $500,000, you should help somebody. Like use it in a meaningful way, don't just buy a stupid football. I I really And this is coming from a guy who's a massive Tom Brady fan. I love the game of football. Uh, I, I just think that, like, man, if you're going to spend that kind of money doing it on something, like, valuable for society, don't buy a Tom Brady football. That's bizarre to me. Um, and if people have too much money to screw around with, if that's something you can spend your money on, I'm like, really? Like, really? So I don't know. I thought that was bizarre. But the guy got his money back uh, after the, you know, the, the, the key reason why he bought it, because it was his final touchdown pass. Got completely negated because Tom Brady unretired. So uh, we'll see what happens next. With not really, there's not really a follow up to that story. There's nothing really next to happen. But um, I just go back to: if you're going to spend five hundred thousand dollars on something, and if you're just like, if the money's burning a hole in your pocket and you gotta spend it, spend it on a way to help people. There's so many people who could benefit from that kind of money. And I, I watched the documentary. What did I watch yesterday? I watched Anthony Bourdain. Uh, Parts Unknown, season one, episode eight, where he was in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. You know how much you could help people in the DRC with $500,000? But no, let's buy a Tom Brady football. Like, I just, I'm just, i getting like, really? I don't know. I just had to say that. Uh, guys, I love you. I appreciate it. That's all I have for today. I'll see you very shortly to talk about the USFL. Have a great day. And uh bam bum bam we are done. I hit it again. (laughs) I'm two for two, baby. Every time I try it, I hit the camera.